Welcome to Humanize IT, where technology experts meet to discuss business strategy, industry trends, how we can make IT more personal with conversations, not presentations, and occasionally engage in a laugh or two. Oh, I was going to start him in the middle of the sentence again. He's getting smart. <laughs> so with having smart people on podcasts is they, they start to catch on after a little bit. <laughs> so today we're talking about how to drive success and profits with compliance. And so the last session, we talked about what you're doing wrong and how people are kind of failing at this. They're checking the boxes. They're doing copy pasta. They're saying, yeah, technically I'm compliant but not actually benefiting from compliance. Yeah. Today, I, I want Tim to tell us about how do you actually benefit from compliance? Why should I care about this stuff? And what, how does it affect my MSP or my business? Yeah, so, so really great questions, right? So, and you know, why should I care? We've already, dis we already discussed that in the previous session. So mm -hmm. no like, share, follow, read, listen to the previous session. Um, to build a successful compliance program in your MSP, I'm going to say it again till I'm blue in the face because my shirt's blue, is people process technology. Getting the right people in place is a struggle. I know. I get it. I've been trying to hire those people for years. So, you know, partnering with compliance experts like us at Compliance Risk and building that three-legged stool the company needing something, the MSP is the technical implementer, and compliance risk coming in alongside you, helping to bring forward that compliance uh, regulatory and meeting those things for your clients' needs. And by the way, you get to learn by default and by de facto yourself of getting your own stuff in order, getting your own house in order. That is just one method that we look at to try to help MSPs build out a compliance program. Partner with us. We can help you with the teach to fish model or help fish us for help you. you. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, you know, I've seen so many MSPs try to do this on their own. You know, I just talked to one a couple days ago and they were like, hey, I started a CMMC engagement with a client. I downloaded an Excel spreadsheet from, you know, some website and I started walking through it and they were asking questions about this control and that control that I knew nothing about. And I lost the client to a competitive MSP down the street from me because they could speak the language. They could add, you know, value. So context is important. Context is important, right? You know, when you're talking specifically CMMC defense contractors, you need to speak their lingo in terms they can understand. We say this all the time to MSPs. Speak to your clients and be knowledgeable in the areas that they that you're in, that they're in. Otherwise, you're going to lose them. Now, how do you keep from losing them? When you do partner with an organization like Compliance Risk IO, we can walk you or alongside you, and we can walk you and your client through an evaluation process that then leads to number one: the client knows where they stand. Right? They know, like. We're going to walk through this rule set. We're going to red, yellow, green them. We're going to know what's doing really well in areas in which they're struggling. And you as the MSP then can build project work out of those areas that your clients are struggling with. Maybe they don't have security training. Boom, a couple bucks a month now. You get a project, roll it out. It's already in your platform. And you've just helped your client with one piece of their compliance framework by checking off the box. Now we did talk about checkbox. Compliance is not checkbox, but once you get into that uh, cadence of well, 
figuring out where they are, coming up with a project plan and completing those projects and ultimately moving their compliance needle is very profitable. Yeah. Uh, justifying projects. Like there's one thing we have talked about in the past is if you have a project and you say, Hey, you need to do X, Y, and Z clients can be like, Oh, cool. But if you can say, Hey, per CMC guidelines, exactly, you need to do this. Otherwise you're going to be out of compliance. Exactly. And they say, well, why should I care? And they say, well, the whole purpose of asset management is so that you know what assets you have. And you know, this very well as a business owner and same thing as in technology. When we know what assets we have, which ones are depreciating, we know how to reduce risk because now we know what we have. Mm -hmm. And so what I need you to do is I need you to evaluate which of these, these assets we need to get rid of. I'm like, oh, well, that one's six years old. Best practice is to do this in four years or the recommendation is to do it in three years or to have things at this level. And you can now justify, because it's not you as an MSP saying this, it's a government entity. It's a third party saying yes. this. And when you understand the purpose <laughs> of the compliance control, then you can justify the reason why you're doing this. And the reason why a lot of you have headaches with clients, like why doesn't my client listen to my recommendations? So you're not explaining to them. And you're words not understand. Yeah. And compliance will help you that. And that's if you have a solid policy program, you can do this easily. Yep. And that is, and part of that solid policy program, and, and Tim can talk a little bit more about this if he wants, is that you have an understanding of the controls, just like what Tim said. You understand the purpose of this control rather than just being the engineer says, Ugh, I gotta do this because it's best practice. Right. No. Right. Why did this control get written? Somebody spent hundreds of hours building these controls. Why did they care to write these? Mm-hmm. Right. And it, you know, it goes back to the previous session that we talked about intent, right? And so you look at NIST, National Institute of Standard and Technology, look at NIST 853 Rev 5. There's a thousand, 27, thousand plus controls at a high high system. Somebody took the time to actually write all of these things and all these stuff, like, and because the intent behind any of these We'll pick security training for a moment because it's the easiest one to relate to. Why should we train humans? Why is there a control that says humans need to be trained? Well, in the technology space, humans are the weakest link. Computers are going to do what humans tell them to do. And if we get an email that says, click this thing and give me your banking info, we, the human, did the thing. And so... Somebody took the time to recognize, hey, we should probably put a control in around securing, you know, training and teach people like what not to do. Right. And so, yeah, I, um, yeah, there's, I could go on and on and on and talk about this stuff, why controls exist and coming back around, you as the MSP can then have the conversation with, it's not just me saying this. Look, cyber liability insurance says you need to have these five things. It's no longer me telling you as the expert best practice, all these other things, this, you know, CMMC, HIPAA, all these other things are objective third parties saying you should be doing this. And here's the reason why. I'm just here to help you implement that and educate and understand you. Mr. MSP, like as your MSP, I'm your technical advisor. And these are the reasons why. 
You know, one of one of the things I tell people is that you don't have to justify to a business to lock their doors at night. Yeah, they know it's inherent that everybody knows you lock your doors mm -hmm. and that is what we need to do. And that's because it is so well educated into people between their homes, between their cars, between their businesses that you lock your doors at night. It is just best practice because of bad things happening. Mm -hmm. And so you don't have to justify, hey, while before you leave tonight, make sure you lock your doors. But with computers, we have to do that. We have to teach people to lock their computers when they're not at them. We have to teach people to secure their perimeter and to have security in depth and to do these 10,000 things that are very overwhelming because it's not intuitive for them because they don't know and they don't know. And you as an engineer are bad at explaining it a lot of times. And so right. that's how we get these breaches because the human factor. Now the compliance initiatives are out there to cover because engineers have been so bad at explaining things in the past mm -hmm. that they decided to come up with a standard set of, of rules. It's like PCI compliance. Which government agency runs PCI compliance? <laughs> yeah, this or is it self-regulatory? Yeah, uh, I don't even get me started on PCI. So the whole point <laughs> is that at some point they got tired of these things. They said, hey, we're going to put a coalition together yep. and get people to at least do these minimal things. Exactly. Now, PCI you know, compliance has gone off in a different direction, <laughs> and many, many rants can be said about PCI. Exactly. Well, well and pick any frame. The origin matter. was well-meaning. Yeah. I mean, pick pick HIPAA, right? We hear HIPAA all the time, right? HIPAA regulations, HIPAA, like there's no governing body attestation organization signing up. Like if somebody says we're HIPAA certified, what does that even mean? Because who and how were you certified? Like what? Hold on. <laughs> or HIPAA compliant. Yeah, that's even, <laughs> even kind of whatever, right? The point that I think you're trying to make is that there are things that are out there. There are frameworks and tool sets and guidance and stuff. And there are some of these organizations have fully defined governing bodies, just like a CPA, just like a law firm. There are some of these things. And we're seeing that start to happen with the CMMC stuff, right? With the defense stuff, right? These governing bodies being able to not only help educate, but uh, enforce and attest to, right? SOC 2, Type 2, SOC, ISO, those, you know, those are things that can be legally attested to by a body that exists, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I did SAS 70 forever. Um, that was a long time ago. And it was simply a statement of promises saying, I behave this way. Yeah. If you want to do business with me, here is my, my open hand and I'm saying, like, I, I do these things. Are you okay with that? Right. And that yeah, was an interesting start to my fine. compliance journey was just being able to tell a client, a potential prospect, like, hey, we, we handle our security this way. If you're on board with that, then we'll do business together. If you're not on board with that, if we're not strict enough for you, then we don't do business together. Or you can request us change something. Exactly. That, that, that transparency is what built trust between yep. me and another company. Exactly. But if a bank wanted to do business with me or if a client wanted to do business with me, they knew that I had a minimum set of standards to adhere to that I promised I did. Now, if I didn't, that could be breach of contract. I can get sued and get a whole bunch of bad things can happen. But at least I was trying. Mm -hmm. Now, if you do checkbox compliance and a breach happens, 
nothing is going to save you from the lawyers. It's not, you know, you know, we talk a lot about in the space, not just, you know, cybersecurity. We talk, you know, I, we're, we're, I'm starting and others are starting to push the message in twofold defensibility and resilience, right? So resilience on the resilience side and compliance can help with that. When you look at the NISC framework and the five phases of the NISC framework, I won't get into that, go Google it uh, and waste time, but building that resilience by putting in that identifies that, you know, detect piece, that identify piece where stuff is happening and build resiliency against that. In the defensibility piece, here is the documentation that I have. And by the way, Polygon can help with that. Here is the documentation that I have that says, this is what I do. These are my business practices. This is how these things adhere to a framework or set of controls. And then what I actually did to build that defensibility. And it all starts with your documentation, right? And documentation is always scary. It's always, oh, copy pasta. And I get it. I've been writing policy documents for 17 years. I get it. When you first start out in this space, it's awful. But yeah, and, and I like genuine, like when I read a good piece of policy um, where it actually tells me something about what I'm doing, mm-hmm. like I'll, I'll get somebody saying, hey, I need you to fill this out. And it's just a form. It's like, put your company name here, put yeah. your name here, put your system here, my system description, a system description, for instance, you know, like what is your company? And what do they do? Can I just like write down a document that says, hey, here's what we do and here's how we do it. Like, no, you have to put the words in these orders. And it's like, well, that doesn't really, that's not a good description of my system, but it, it fits what I've been told to say. Right. Versus having an actual conversation of, hey, you know what they really want to know? They just want to know, like, where is your data? How are you transporting data from point A to point B? They want to know, how do you run your company so that we know where to look for risks? Exactly. And, you know, I feel like sometimes as we mature in, in compliance, as we mature in the IT, we tend to get lost in governance. We do, and we can, but we don't necessarily have to, right? You know, I, for decades, have had my own standard of policy documentation of what goes in there, how they're written, what headers, what categories, change management, you know, all the way down to the cover page, the header, the footer, all of that stuff. And, it, you know, is something that I built out several decades ago and, and I've been using going forward. Now, with my federal clients in the last probably two or three years, They've been accepting and reading and loving and understanding and using the policies that I've been providing to them. Now they're wising up. Now they actually come back to me with their own structured template, not a template in that regards, but like, here is what we expect a policy to consist of ABC, one, two, three, written in uh, Google plain language. So plainlanguage.gov, written in uh, terms that a fourth or fifth or seventh grader can understand. Um, so it's been really interesting to see that, you know, progression over the years. Like I've been doing it this way forever. And now seeing what's getting like, Tim, you got to take all your stuff and fit it into our stuff. And their stuff is kind of very closely based on what I've been using. <laughs> so it's just very interesting. So, but yeah, you know, a good policy program, it, it doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be scary. In fact, Polygon can help you ease that pain, right? You know, 
partnering with experts, right? Using a tool like Humanize IT, a managed service platform to have these conversations with your client, right? Marrying these things together with, hey, through our process with Humanize IT, we are having conversations with our clients on the risks that they face, and then pull along Polygon to actually help with some of the implementation of those policies that you're already talking to your clients about. Yeah, I mean, it's all about making things easier for everyone. And that's why I like having pay, you know companies like you, Von High, and other Pitch It contestants that we, we've had on here, is that it's all about making things easier for the clients and actually engaging. Because we have this thing that, you know, when I first started out in, uh, you know, the small business world back in 2017, um, I, I got out of the corporate technology because I got tired of checkboxes. I got tired of being told, well, let's just do security as well as our neighbors. I actually been told that in meetings, people like, oh, well, they aren't doing it. So we don't need to do it either. We seem to be as good as 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 our neighbor. Like. But that's that's not the right thing to do, you know. There's there, there's there's a quality piece to this, and so I came out into the into the small business world to start helping small businesses do meaningful change, have actual conversations. And these engineers are so good. Like, I need to put a, this PC on this desk. I need to give it a mouse, a monitor, and a keyboard, and that's their life. You know, you're a janitor at that point. You're, yeah. you're just basic level one maintenance and controls. Pretty you much. are no longer an engineer. You are just placing things in the spots where you've been told. Mm-hmm. This is why you're not invited into the strategic meetings with the C-levels. Right. This is why no one sees you as a CISO. This is why no one sees you as a CIO because you're just checking boxes. You don't actually care any more than you care about what is this PC and what, would, what CPU is it running? You're going to be challenge you're gonna, that a little bit. Off. I would challenge this. See, I'm interrupting you now. I would challenge that a little bit. I would say that MSPs, not that they don't care, because I mean, we I get into the tech space because I want to help people. I don't think it's because they don't care. I think it's that they don't know. They don't have the people. They don't have okay, the process. I'll take that. I'll take that. I, I think that just, I hate to use the word ignorant because that comes with a bad connotation. I think MSPs are. Some, not all, there's some that are way more mature than I am. Uh, some are just like, they don't get it. Like, you know, go check out my Twitter feed. We talked about the the life cycle of, a, of an MSP. You know, we started out fixing computers for our family, and then we figured out we could get paid for it, and then we became a break fix, and then we figured out MRR, and then we figured out, but now this compliance, this insurance, this regulatory, this, oh, I actually have to prove that I'm doing what I say I think I'm doing. So it's not because they don't care. It's because they probably don't know any better and haven't matured enough yet. And this is where your tools, my tools, you know, these other things that are, you know, that we're all putting out there can help them gain operational efficiencies. Yeah. Having the right conversation with the clients that they should be having. When we talk about earning a seat at the table. That's what we're yeah. trying to do. And exactly. that's what these 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 pieces of software and these new companies that are coming out, these emerging tech, it's all about earning that seat back. Getting away from that jander closet of just putting PCs on desk because come on guys, that's a low ball game. If you're retired of low bid games, that's because yep. you're doing an operational game. You're not having conversations with your clients. You're solving 
you're putting in light bulbs, you're installing servers, you're installing PCs. That's not what we were intended to do. We right. as engineers were intended to augment business strategy using pieces of technology. Compliance isn't meant to check boxes so you can have a badge on your website. Compliance is built to make sure you have a quality product. And there are a lot of companies out there who will let you just do checkbox. Yeah. You're not going to be quality. It's going to be a low big game. If you work with a company like Polygon, or you can see that now you're putting out a quality product. You prefer to go back to our first uh, session. You're putting out a quality cheeseburger. You're meeting exactly. the client where they are and solving problems that they actually care about. And that's going to result in revenue and a higher level of success than you have seen in years. Exactly. So, Tim, I thank you for coming on. This has been a thank wonderful so session. I look forward to doing some more with you. Uh, we'll have to schedule some great. more. And uh, if anybody wants to learn more about Polygon, what they have to offer, we'll have a link below. I'll probably have a card up here to the left here. And um, we'll have a bunch more coming your guys' way. Awesome. Thank you, Thank Tim. you so much. Yeah, this has been great. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. If you like our podcast, please subscribe, comment, and check out our Facebook page. Also encourage others who want to see IT transform to subscribe as well. We could always use your help.